entrepreneurs or particularly successful entrepreneurs enjoy a challenge and they like to win. I don't know what you're talking about. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. So welcome back to another episode of Influence by Design. Today we are talking further about the traits that we see in eight-figure entrepreneurs. We covered four last week, Tim. We did. We did. We're going to cover another four today. Just to sort of recap them real quick, we talked about leadership. We talked about being self-motored and an action taker. We talked about, I guess, the integrity Uh that you need to have. And a willingness to fail. So I want to know, because we did challenge ourselves so we pay attention over the last week to see what came uh-huh. up a lot be free to us. What was it for you? So it's something that I talked about last week, and it's that willingness to fail. But there are always things that happen in my day every day where I still feel this fear of like, oh, I don't want to do that because maybe, you know, I've got this fear of someone in my world saying a bit silly or stupid or, you know, this feeling that I shouldn't have done that. And it just kind of reiterated something that I said last week, which was just because we feel those things doesn't mean that it needs to stop us. Yeah. But we're not in a place to just do it and not feel the fear. I guess in some of those times that I felt the fear or felt that that uncomfortable feeling, it was like, no, it's okay. I can do this. What about you? For me, it was was the action taking, actually, because quite a few times over the weekend, and again, maybe just because I was a bit more hyper aware of it, right, and and what you have a lens on, pay attention to. And a couple of times I thought, oh, you know, I need to call that person, but it's like 4.30, so I'll just call them tomorrow. Yeah. And and then I just caught myself going, well, why did I feel like that? What what was it that I've gone don't take action here. Don't do the thing. So I just caught myself a couple of times and and just being a bit more aware of it, going, no, I'm going to make that call today. Even if I get a voicemail, that's okay. I I think that's what it is. It's just bringing awareness to to it. It's shining a light on on that feeling or that thought because as soon as there's a light shone on it, you know, it it almost takes that shame away or it takes that feeling that it needs to be sort of under the rug. It's like, well, the light's on it now. May as well just get on and do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because it, it came up quite a few times in the team conversations as well. And just going, well, what are you? What's the action you're going to do today? What's the one uh, thing uh, that you're going to get done? I love that. What's the one thing? Super resourceful question. All right. Well, let's dive into these second half of our uh, eight traits that we see in eight figure entrepreneurs. All right. Number five: serial innovators. Mm, I love this one. I was just thinking, I don't know why this popped into my head the other night, but back when I owned my dancewear stores, and I'm talking when I came up with this idea, I reckon it was about 1996-ish, so very, you know, a while ago. And at the time, there was no such thing as like store cards, loyalty cards. It wasn't a thing. And What a wonderful invention though, right? Right. But let me tell you how I came up with the idea. There probably were some somewhere in the world, but I'd never heard of them. 
we used to, like I said, we were in the dancewear industry. We used to have customers come in and say, can we have a discount because we're dancers? And I would say, well, everyone that comes into our store is a dancer, so that doesn't automatically qualify for you a discount. You're not hearing coming here for beer and Skittles. <laughs> right, exactly. I always thought it was the weirdest thing. People say, but the store in the city, if we say that we're a dancer, we get a discount. So this used to frustrate me to tears. I thought it was the weirdest thing. And I remember sitting down with my business partner and saying, there's got to be a way around this without just automatically going, we're going to give you a discount. So I came up with this idea of a loyalty card. Like I said, I'd never heard of them before. I didn't know what a loyalty card was. And at the time, this is so funny, we had our printer print them out like business cards and we used to hand write the name and their membership number on the card after we entered it into some like Microsoft database thing. It was, you know, when we were standing at the counter, super old school days. But what happened is people would pay for this loyalty card. I mean, who would pay for a loyalty card now? We charged for a loyalty card and they had to renew it every year. And we had really? customers lining up to pay for their loyalty card because they got their 10% discount. They oh, also went on a mailing list. They would pay to go on a list for us. There was no email back then for us to manually mail them if we had some sort of special or announcing whatever was new. People actually paid. That, I believe, at its time was extremely innovative and that came up and that worked really well for us. We had a database of like 20,000 people back in the late 90s of customers because we were just trying to solve a problem. The problem I was trying to solve was I don't want people to come in and tell me that they're my ideal client and they should have a discount because of that. That was how I innovated. That's awesome. There's a lot there to unpack. But that just sort of came into my mind the other night. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to the days of the entertainment book you know, we had in Australia. Oh, my goodness. I loved the entertainment pay, book. You'd pay 50 bucks and then it sort of got you discount vouchers to all sorts of different restaurants and stuff. But we all used to forget. We used to, I, well, I used to buy the book and then forget I had the vouchers and get to the end of the year with a full book of vouchers <laughs> and, and then buy it again. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> anyway, but there is, there is this idea of, I guess, that innovation. We're constantly looking at ways that we can do something better. You know, and because things change, don't they? They do. Right? You, know, you know, if you're still if you're still charging for loyalty cards now, you'd be like, "Why am I not making any money?" <laughs> well, people do charge for loyalty cards. Think about Amazon Prime. That is essentially a loyalty card. I pay for Amazon Prime every month because I know that I can get free postage and I'll have it delivered the next day. I ordered a whole. A whole th host of things yesterday, and I specifically looked for the products that had the Amazon Prime badge so I could have next day delivery. I watched a, a documentary about Jeff Bezos the other day and how he got started. Mm -hmm. I it was a really cool story. Yeah, it is a very cool story. I did not know there was a, a show. Really interesting, you know, where people have gone, nah, you're wasting your time. He definitely knew what he was doing and he did not listen to the gazillions of people that told him that he was just a little bit silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which comes to the next one, which is knowing what you don't know. Yeah, I think that anyone that gets to a point where they know a lot all of a sudden realises that for as much as they know, there's more that they realise that they don't know. I feel like that at some point in our careers, we all get to that point where we move from, huh, I've got this nail too. Oh, my goodness, there's actually so much I don't know. Yeah. Well, I remember doing that with martial arts. You know, the more I learned about martial, you know, my particular style, the more I realised I didn't know 
as a start, I thought I knew everything. Then the more I learned, I'm going, oh, I'm just scratching the tip of this, you know, tip of the iceberg here. Yeah, I remember saying to my dance teacher when I was studying, I've got an associate diploma in classical ballet. And I remember saying to my teacher before I sat for that exam, and that was years and years and years in the making. It's such a hard exam to study for. And I remember sort of the week before and just saying to her, oh, I I can't go through this. I think I'm going to pull out. Like, I just feel like I don't know so much. And she said to me, now is the perfect time to go because now you've understood the concept. And that that was a, a really big lesson for me just by her sort of shining a light on that. Well, I think this it comes back to this idea that really successful entrepreneurs are confident but not egotistical. Mm-hmm. No, we know what we know. Uh, I think you just sort of, sort of put a little bit of a spin on the Jeff Bezos story here is also knowing what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. I, you know, yeah, sometimes you have to have... Despite the, you know, someone else. I mean, I was, years ago when I was running the Riot Act, you know, we were doing around, I don't know how many we were doing, it wasn't that many, maybe 50, 100,000 sort of visits a month kind of thing. And I had a branding expert, quite a respected branding expert in the ACT here, come in and say, oh, you need to change the name, right? Now, maybe he was just suggesting to change the name because he changed everybody's name. But a couple of years later, when I'm doing 25 million, he's like, uh, no, yeah, I was wrong about that, wasn't I? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not changing the name. I'm really comfortable with this this idea, right? And Jeff Bezos was the same. Despite all the people and experienced people who said Amazon won't work, he's like, no, nah, I've got a hunch here. I can see something that you can't see. Mm. Yeah, but the really successful people look and see and find and search for the and have a, a knack for seeing the minor details that other people can't see. I believe that through my classical ballet teaching background that I was trained to look for tiny, tiny details and nuance and I have brought that into and I bring that into everything that I do and I honestly feel like it's one of my zones of genius is that I can see a lot of little things that other people can't see and that they don't even know that's there or they don't even know that it's missing. And I had someone explain it to me once that they're like, far out. You're like an x-ray for business. You can actually like look through and see things that the rest of us can't see. Yeah, yeah I, I, agree, I agree with that, Sam. It's just taking that little nuance and yeah. see other things. This is my superpower. And like, I don't have to sort of shout it from the rooftops and wear a cape, yeah. but just yeah. going, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think the other thing there, appetite to learn, right? always ask questions. Yep. Learn a bit more. I remember this story I heard, I think it's been Yang said once, who's a speaker trainer out here in Australia, one of his first videos, and I think it was him, it could have been someone else, talking about books, right? And his father always encouraged him to read books. Mm-hmm. He said, every time you read a book, particularly a sort of biography or autobiography it was about, about someone, mm-hmm. you're taking potentially decades of their life experience into 200 odd pages, 250 pages, and you're adding it to your army, mm. right? All that wealth of life experience you're adding to your army. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you start out, it's just you, right? You've got an army of one, yeah, very small army. And so it's very difficult to win with an army of one. But every time mm-hmm. you read a book, you're adding a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more skill to your army. And then you've got an army of two and an army of three and an army of four, and then an army of 50 and 100 and 200. And it becomes easier to win with his life experience. Mm. I love that. I've not heard that. 
I think um, Ramit Sethi says something similar. I know one of his 10 commandments of money or whatever he calls it, it's something like that, is that if he wants to buy a book, he will buy it every time that he doesn't ever budget or say that he's spent too much on books for exactly that reason, that every time he reads a book, he's just adding so much learning and so much, you know, not necessarily life experience, but so much learning to what he's doing. New perspective, new lens. Yeah. Number seven. And this one is entrepreneurs or particularly successful entrepreneurs enjoy a challenge and they like to win. I don't know what you're talking about. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Winning sucks and I avoid challenges like the plague. I love a challenge. I find that it's interesting that there are some people that, that don't enjoy a challenge, but definitely entrepreneurs enjoy the challenge. It's like the thrill of the chase. It's like if someone says to me, Sam, it can't be done, I say, hold my beer, watch me. And sometimes I won't be able to get it done. But going back to what I was saying before, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you drink a beer. I'm I don't a Chardonnay. Hold my shardy. Hold my wine. <laughs> You're right. I don't drink beer. That was purely a saying. But yeah, I love that. Even if I don't win, I love what going after it teaches me. That, that yeah. I just I'm a serial learner, and I know you're the same, Tim. And I think that's why we talk so often because we're always sharing stories and hey, we've seen this and what's working here and who do you know here? That's all part of the thrill of the chase. It's how yeah. can we turn this into something great? How can we win? Well, I think about this one and, and what we're about to talk in a sec. One of the things that I really like, and I know you do as well, Sam, is actually seeing other people overcome those challenges as well. Oh, I love and, it so you know, much. And when we work with our clients, right, the ability not just internally as challenges. I mean, we know plenty of people going, oh my God, challenge, can't do it, not going to face it, whatever. I mean, I, I think I've told the story of a, a young fellow I spoke to just pre-COVID on LinkedIn who said, oh, I'm going to shut my business down for a bit and just wait till it all blows over. I go on, well, that's avoiding it, <laughs> okay? Yeah. It's not like, how can I make this work despite this challenge that's been presented to me? But the challenge that our clients present as well in the transformation we create for them, would we like it when our clients win? I feel like such a proud mother duck when my clients win. I'm just, it's for me, it's one of the best feelings. I actually almost feel happier when my clients win than when I do because it's so much easier to appreciate it from an outside perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Which takes us to number eight in our list and the final one. This is, arguably, can I just say, this is important. my favorite one. Yeah, this is definitely my favorite one out of all right. of the others. Is understanding the value of a strong peer network. So this, that next level entrepreneur values a strong peer network, not just values, but actively cultivates and supports a strong peer network. Absolutely. Really successful entrepreneurs, every single one understands the who, not how. Like just how is such an unresourceful question. I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. It is one of the most unresourceful questions you can ask, but asking who, you know, who can I bring in? Who do I need to speak to? Who's done this before me? Who can help me? Who can introduce me to such and such? It's the most resourceful thing that we can do as business owners. So it's who do we need to have or who can we have on speed dial? Which masterminds do we want to be part of? Who can you just tap on the shoulder and say, I need some perspective on this? 
Absolutely. That's why you and I speak so often, because I know that that you're one of my trusted confidants, that I can ask you a question, you know, and you can see through the, you know, I might be wading through the mud and you'll be at that macro level going, well, Sam, like, what about over here? And I'll go, how did I not see that? You know, that's what we do a lot for each other. But one of the other things Plus that you're I- in the mud and you're very short. <laughs> the mud comes up a lot higher on my body than most people. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But I know I, I love that. I don't like, and you, if, you, if you've been paying attention to you know the, the episodes that we've recorded, the number of times that you and I have mentioned how much value we give each other in just the conversation we have before we record. Yes, we even mentioned it again today. How much value that we get just from sounding boards, you know, sounding board and bouncing ideas back and forth off each other before we press record is immense. Absolutely. Napoleon Hill talks about it in Think and Grow Rich, that masterminding with other people creates an extra brain. You've got two people or two brains trying to work through something and those two brains actually create another one. It's like, you know, you've got mind one, mind two, and then it, you know, creates this extra mind, the mastermind. And that's the value of coming together and, and discussing things. Now, to take this to the ho- a whole new level, you and I not just will speak with others, but you and I will do anything to get into any room to be surrounded by our peers. You and I go to a lot of conferences. We will absolutely clear our calendars on 24 yeah. hours notice if we know that we can be in a room with our peers and I think well, yeah, that- that, that's the thing, right? You know, you see all these tickets that go up for sale for conferences. Do not buy the cheap seats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you're surrounding yourself with other people who buy the cheap seats. Mm-hmm. You know, buy the VIT ticket, VIP ticket experience because you immediately you're putting yourself in that next level, right? Don't fly economy, fly business class because you're immediately putting yourself in a room with people who also fly business class, mm-hmm. right? And are having different conversations. Right? The conversations I mean, are very different. Just go and find somebody and start a podcast with them <laughs> if you need to. Even if you never air an episode, right? Just get in the practice of saying, what do we want to talk about this week? Research it, report on it, you know. You'll get value in doing that in that collaboration. And that's that peer network that you need to create. Go mm-hmm. and find a networking event and don't just show up saying, where are my referrals this week? How can you collaborate with people? How can you nurture these relationships and not just in what can you do for me, right? Thinking more broadly about how we can work together. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you were looking back on this conversation and, you know, wanted to leave, I guess, the standout piece of this topic to the people that are listening in today, Tim, what would it be? Probably the last one, actually. I think, you know, of all the other things, okay, we know that the next level version of you you need to be an action taker. You need to be resilient. You need to enjoy competition, not shirk from it. You need to like winning, right? You need to learn, not just learn to be a better entrepreneur, learn to be a better leader, learn to be a better partner to your spouse, learn to be a better friend to your friends, right? You've got to be willing to put your ego aside and sometimes get it wrong yeah. right? and admit that to self, but not lose the lesson in the process. Yeah. But in terms of one thing that you can do to help you do that, I think it's definitely surround yourself 
with the right people who are already playing that game. Absolutely. My takeaway is exactly the same, but for a slightly different reason. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. Do anything to get in the rooms of people who are successful because when you don't know how or where or why to innovate, they will help you. If you're afraid of doing something, they will give you the strength and help raise you up so that you can. If you are struggling to move forward because you've got a challenge, that strong peer network will help you to break that down and be able to move forward. So all of the things we've talked about today can be overcome by being in the right room with the right people. Yeah. Great conversation, Tim. Loved it. Hope you did too. I did. I did. Oh, you and I, Sam, I like... We only scheduled this one for an hour, and here we are. An On hour the and hour. A half in. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good one. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts. What's come up for you? What would you like us to dive deeper into on another episode? Let us know on the socials. You'll find all the links in the app that you're listening or down below if you're on the show notes page over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. Thank you.